Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Gospel Saving Church. Praise God, I'm so glad you're here. If this is your first time joining me, hello, I'm Pastor Ed Spagnoli, and this is Gospel Saving Church, one of God's true churches of these last days, and this is our weekly broadcast of truth from God's Word, only from God's Word, and only inspired by God's Word, and that's what we do here. If this is your first time listening to me, you're going to be shocked to find out that I will not entertain you. I will not say many jokes, and I won't tell lots of stories, and I won't tell you lots of fanciful stories. I'm going to tell you the truth, I'm going to teach you the Bible, and I'm going to help you learn about God, and I hope that's why you came. For that's what the Word of God says. The Word of God says it's not, we're not here to, to, like, to be at a movie. Okay, we're not here to like we're listening to Christian worship songs where we're just, you know, doing something else. We're here to learn the word of God and to know more about God so we can follow God more, so we can serve God more, so we can worship God better. So I hope you're ready. This is our weekly broadcast of truth from God's word. We always start with a word of prayer. So if you'd please join me and let's ask the Lord to help us understand his word and understand all the things that he has to tell us today. For we know the word says... It's only by the Spirit of God we can understand the things of God. So join me in a word of prayer, please. Lord, thank you so much, Lord, for bringing us here. Thank you so much, Lord God, for giving me all these words this last couple weeks, Lord, that you've given me, as this is a sermon that was created over a two-week span. A special sermon, Lord, for, for this time and such a time as this. Lord, we, uh, we pray, Lord God, that those that would listen... Would, would understand, Lord God, that you would help them understand by your Holy Spirit, Lord. All those that would listen from today, March 18th, 2018, all the way till Christ comes back, Lord. As I know this sermon and as all the words that you've spoken through my mouth, Lord, will stay up and available for people all the way till the end comes. So, Lord, I just pray that you would help us to hear the words and understand the words, Lord, by your Holy Spirit. We can do that. And then I pray, Lord God, that we would obey the words, Lord. It's going to be so hard, especially in this sermon, Lord, but I pray that those that listen would obey the words of your word, God in heaven. Not my words, Lord, and not even my spin on those words. Just purely your word. Is I'm just going to basically be reading your word for exactly what your word means today. We thank you and we love you and we praise you. And I pray, dear God, that this sermon would bring great repentance to the church. Please, Lord God, let this message bring great repentance to the church. We love you and praise you and thank you. And ask all these things in Jesus Christ's mighty name. Amen. So we have a special sermon today. As you already saw, if you're listening online, as those of you that are in the church today are just going to find out right now, the title of our message is Apostasy. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Apostasy. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. We're not going to be in Acts chapter 16 or 17, actually. We're being, instead, we're going to be in Judges chapter 17, which is in the Old Testament. Now, if you're online, you already saw that. That's what it was. So you can, you're already there. Here, I've already told my church we're, we're already there. So we're going to be in verse 6. Just one verse today, Judges 17, 6, and I'm going to read it real quick, and, and then we're going to go through what it means and how it applies to the church of today. Join me, please. Judges 17, 
verse 6. In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. So I see, you see where the title came from, and now we're going to so, you know, see how we, we roll it all into why it applies to what we, what we know today, to our lives today, to the, to the church today. So what does Judges 17.6 have to do with the title apostasy? Everyone doing what is right in his own eyes, so the title. I will answer, but first I, I just want to take a few minutes because to me, the Bible is God's authority on all things. If the Bible says something, that's what it is. I don't twist it. I don't, I don't turn it to be my truth. I, whatever God's truths are in the Word, that's what they are. And so what's important to me is before I get to how this, this verse, this one verse really applies to just our day and age and the church of today and where we are today as a culture and so on and so forth, what I must do is I must teach the verse exegetically. And I must teach it contextually, and I must teach it biblically, because that's what the Bible's all about. Understanding the Bible for what it says to us, for what God says to us, you know, for us, and for what it meant for them then. So this exact sentence, FYI, in case you were, in case you were interested, was spoken by God twice in the book of Judges. The same exact sentence was spoken twice. That's important. And the reason God said it twice in the book is because the Israelites better known as the Jews today, and this is what it was exegetically and contextually meant back when it was written. The Israelites, better known as the Jews today, had obtained God's inheritance of the promised land under the leadership of Joshua. But then, after Joshua, along with all those that came up with him into the land known as Israel today, Canaan then, all those that saw all the awesome things that God did to bring the Jews into the promised land, the following generations of the Israelites that lived after what this verse was, who, the, who this verse was written about, they didn't continue to follow in the footsteps of their forefathers who had, who had come out of Egypt and into the promised land before them. They forgot or pushed aside God Almighty, Jehovah of the Old Testament. It's still Jehovah now, but just saying we, we, we worship Jesus Christ now and God Almighty, but in case you didn't know, his, his name Old Testament-wise is Jehovah. And they didn't remember, and they pushed aside all the accounts that their forefathers had told them about Jehovah bringing them into their promised land. They had also forgotten just how important Jehovah said that it was that they follow, obey, and keep his laws and commandments that he had given to their forefathers, to all Israelites, both in their past as well as in the present, so for even them, that they were supposed to be keeping and obeying. This, this, is, what, this is what they were doing. And so again, the attitude, this attitude of their heart, forsaking God, pushing aside his words, pushing aside the things that he said, the commandments, his, things that he said to obey, this Heart attitude, what they got written of them, twice in the book of Judges, in those days there was no king in Israel, meaning there was no king to kind of keep order. And that time all the tribes were just kind of separate. There was no main leader like Moses or like Joshua, 
right? There was no, there was no main authority to kind of keep everything the way it was supposed to be. So, because there was not, because there was no king or judge to make sure all the people stayed focused on what God said, everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Meaning, they didn't bother with God's ways or God's laws. They did kind of what they thought was right. Again, no physical king to keep the people bound to Jehovah's ways, the ways given in God's book, the Bible. And so Jehovah said it twice because uh, the then and the current generations of the Jews or Israelites had, number one, forsaken the laws, commandments, and true worship of God Almighty, of Jehovah, of himself, and, had, and that he had laid down for them to keep. Number two, they were worshiping Jehovah in ways that were not accepted by him. So, you know, like he said, hey, worship me this way. Uh, we don't have to worship God this way. We'll, we'll worship God this way. Number three, they had begun to try to worship Jehovah and or plus the false gods in the nation around them. So that meant that some were like, well, they would worship God the way he wanted, but then they'd also kind of break off and they'd have, you know, worship Baal and Ashtaroth and all the other false gods of the nations that were around them as well, too. And number three, they had, be oh, I'm sorry, number four, some had also begun to just worship the false gods of the nations all around Israel and had forsaken the way of Jehovah completely. So uh, the result of them living in these ways toward God, the root being compromise. That was the root. There, there was compromise. They had had a scripture, but there was no king to help bind them to that scripture, to, that, to those words of God, to the law of Moses. And so the result anyway, Israel was in great Part of the title, Great Apostasy. That was the backdrop of the verse along with its complete contextual and exegetical and biblical meaning and even how it will completely tie into the message that God has prepared for us today. Apostasy, our title again, everyone did what was right in his own eyes. So how does this verse and idea in the verse tie into the information that uh, came to me in the last couple of weeks is because that's kind of where God birthed this the scripture. God, a couple weeks ago, I was still actually working on the last week's message and God was like, he kept bringing me this information about different things and, and about the church and about things in the church. And, and all of a sudden one day I was just like, wow, Lord, wow, I had never seen this this way before ever. Uh, so the information I'm about to share with you right now uh, hit me right between the eyes, and, and I saw it more clearly than ever before because several different issues that had I had been talking about with another brother, God had been showing me, uh, had I, again, I had never seen these issues so clearly in my life as I did a couple weeks ago. And as these issues got brought my way, I was just inspired. Like God was like, do a message. I, I want this message taught. It, great apostasy is upon us right now. The world has to know. Teach, teach, teach. Tell the people what you see. Tell the people how it applies. Show them, show them, show them. So anyway, the few instances of information that I got a couple, I, there are more instances than I got the last couple weeks in this message, but God kind of revealed them to me as I was putting this message together I had the roots of the ones that God had shown me in the last couple weeks, but then there were some more, as I said, that I God kind of laid on my heart as I was going through this message. So let's get to it and let's see what apostasy, they all did what was right in their own eyes, means for us today. How it would apply to us today is 
we would have to see them, the same idea as happened with Israel, we'd have to see that happening today. Meaning, okay, God has his word. We're going to call his word his judge, right? Or his king, because Jesus did. And I'll get there, and I'll quote, that, I'll quote that section of scripture when we get there. But I'm just giving you the backdrop. God's word is like the king. It's like the judge. Why? Because Jesus said it was. I'll show you again. But because that judge tells us how God expects us to live, how God expects Christians to live for him, how God expects the lost people to come to him, how God expects then his church to operate for him. The church, kind of like parallel to Israel, the Jews of the old days, the church of today. The church, not the individual Christian body around the world that is one whole big universal church, as we're all one, because that is one form that the word church is used in the New Testament, but more the church ecclesia, which would be the in, all the churches as a, a unit, as a body of believers together. This whole idea in Judges 17 completely relates to the church today as a whole. Our first example, and you'll see how it applies. We have a church. It's a very popular church. You all may know it. I mean, there's probably many people in the world that don't know of a church called Hillsong Church, also known, by the way, as Jesus Culture or Hillsong, the worship band, they're all kind of the same thing. And they have one pastor that's over all of them. This is one of the largest churches in the world. And it allows homosexuals to be on their worship team. And the pastor has been interviewed about it. And he's been talked to about it. He says it's perfectly fine. And, and this is how we love them. And this is what we do, and there you go. And then, therefore, they allow homosexuals to be on the worship team, and they also allow homosexuals to be members. Why is this a problem, and how does it apply? Why is it troubling, and how does it mean to the church doing what was right in their own eyes, hence apostasy being or creeping into this church? Now, I want to start before you, know, you, you shut me off, the disclaimer that I do not hate homosexuals. I do not hate the person of the homosexual. I love homosexuals and I love them no differently than those that practice adultery or prostitution or fornication or idolatry. And most importantly, I don't just pick on or, or those that commit the sin of homosexuality any more than I talk about those that commit adultery as a practice of life, or those that live in fornication as a way of life, or those that, you know, steal, or those that kill as a way of life. I pick on all those sins that the Bible says are sins that will send people to hell, and all those and more I mentioned are all sins that will send people to hell, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. So again, I don't just pick out the sin of homosexuals or homosexuality. I pick on all of them because they're all sins that Paul says 
that none of, nobody that practices these sins, homosexuality, homosexuality being one of them, but, but so is fornication and so is idolatry and so is adultery, they will all send someone to hell if they practice them. Again, all those who practice all those sins, not just homosexuals, will not inherit God's kingdom. So please don't shut me off. I don't hate homosexuals, and I don't think that they're terrible people, and I don't want to stone them, and I don't make fun of them. It is just a sin that God says in his word. If somebody practices it, they will be going to hell. So saying all that I just did, why does this church, Hillsong Church, allowing homosexuals to serve in the church and, and be on the worship team and be uh, members of the church in front of the whole church as far as the worship goes, week after week, mean that just church has fallen into great apostasy? Because the Bible, we're going to the Bible, completely the Bible. And again, this is God's earthly guide to the ways that he, Jehovah, God, and Christ, God encountered on earth, says that people should live for him. And again, I'm calling the Bible God's ultimate judge, the king of all his ways. Jesus Christ said in his word, his word was the judge. John 12, 48, Jesus said this, He who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. What was it? The word that I have spoken will judge him on that last day. Speaking in another section, Jesus Christ spoke of the Pharisees, and he said they have the word that judged them, the word of Moses. So we have the New Testament and we have the Old Testament. Jesus and God, <coughs> Jesus being God incarnate in the flesh, saying that his word is the judge. Judge, king, means the, the person who's kind of in charge. Moses was the judge of Israel for however many years. Joshua was the judge of Israel for how many years. They, they were also the king in a sense. They were the, not, not a literal king like, like Saul or David were, but kings or judges to the point of, just like Samuel, they kept Israel on track for doing what God said, keeping Israel bound to following God's word, which again, there was no judge. Now we're going to call God's word the judge. It is, by the way, the standard, biblically speaking, this is what God said, it is the standard by which all of God's kids should live, by all of their ways, and in all the ways that God says to live for him, period, the end, hands down. Well, Hillsong Church, back to them, back to apostasy. Back to everyone doing what is right in their own eyes. Well, our judge, the Bible, according to Jesus Christ, says that God and he require that those serve him in his church be a certain kind of people. Uh, the kind of person that loves and fears God and obeys his ways, just as simple as that. Where did Christ say that? Where did God say that? Well, actually, they didn't speak them the words, but what they did was they inspired the apostles in Acts 6, 1 through 4, to speak these words. Listen to the apostles, God's ambassadors to how the church should be done. What, look what they said on who's supposed to be allowed to serve in the church. Acts 6, 1 through 4. Now, in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists, because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples, and they said, 
It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Talking about the church structure now. Hey, we're in church. We're feeding our widows in church. A good thing that churches do. How should we do it? And the the apostle said, listen, we we are in charge of keeping and, and making sure the whole church is in is is running right and and teaching all the people of the church so you know what we're going to do we're going to verse three therefore he said brethren they said brethren seek out from among you listen to this now seven men that's important for later another church seven men of good reputation that was one full of the holy spirit two and three wisdom those three things were what the, the, the apostles required for service in God's church, whom we may appoint over this business, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So again, the apostles, God's ambassadors to how the church should be done, those whom God inspired on the running of the church would only let people that were, number one, he said full of the Holy Spirit, that would mean that they're born again. That would mean that they were actually born-again believers, full of God's Holy Spirit. Number two, good of reputation. That would be a born-again person with a pretty sinless life. You're only going to have a good reputation among people if your life is holy like God's life, right? Because we know there are born-again people that have just become born-again, and and you you know what? Usually how it works with sanctification is once someone's born again, They're not quite living that wonderful, like super, super holy life. It takes a while to get for God to refine somebody, for him to chasten out and chastise out all those nasty old ways. So it's very common for a young Christian to kind of live in some sins until God reveals to them that they're wrong. Okay, little little things that they do in their lives. But these people that were supposed to lead the church, number one, are supposed to be born again. Number two, full of good reputation. That means that a Christian that's been a Christian for a while. A, a, a sanctified Christian, a Christian that, you know, they, yes, they sin because we're all going to sin until we die, but not sins that they're living in, not sins that they're practicing because they don't know, because these are wise kind of seasoned believers. And number three, a born again person that was wise, wise in what? Wise in God's ways, wise in Christ's teachings. Why would that be important to run the church? I mean, duh. Why would it be important to run the church? How can you run the church and help other believers to know God more if you don't even know the word of God that well? So, of course, here we go. The three things that God requires, at least for people to be able to run his church, that you at least be saved, that you live a pretty sinless life, holy unto God, and that you be wise in God's and Christ's ways. So why does apostasy and everyone doing what's right in their own eyes define Hillsong Church? Well, they let, now listen, behold, all that we've learned, 1 Corinthians 6, 9, uh, 6 included, they let homosexuals serve in the church and homosexuals are not born again. Paul said if you commit homosexuality, you're going to hell. You can't be going to hell and be born again. If you're born again and you're walking God's ways and you're living God's ways like you should be, you're headed to heaven. So that's a complete disqualifier. You can't let homosexuals serve in your church because God didn't let people that were lost in sin serve in his church. Okay? 
But, but as I said earlier, it goes a little deeper than that because they allow homosexuals to be members. Now, you may be saying, now, Pastor Ed, you're really radical on this. You're telling me that you wouldn't even let a homosexual be a member of your church? I would welcome anybody that's a homosexual to even try to be a member of this church. Not that I hate them, not that I would run them out, but here's why. Think of this. How can a homosexual continue to go to a true church of God for a long enough time to become a member when God's true churches, and as we're one of them, should be preaching on and against the willful practice of a sinful life? 1 Corinthians 6, homosexuality is included in that. To those listening, right? Think of this. If you're an adulterer at heart and you know it, and you go to a church and you become a member... But the pastor, because it's a real true church of God, they're always preaching about those sins that are sending people to hell. And he always is bringing up 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and about how homosexuals and adulterers and fornicators are going to be going to hell because if you practice that, that you're not going to be going to heaven. Do you really think that somebody who practices adultery is going to become a member of that church? Heavens, no, because they'd be faced with the sin that they commit every week in front of their face. And that pastor saying, you commit this sin of adultery, you commit this sin of fornication, you're going to hell. I'm telling you, nobody that practices this type of sin is going to go to a church that constantly speaks out and against the sins that send men and women and children to hell. And it's not because we preach those truths to hate people. We preach those truths because we don't want to see anybody practice those sins. We want to see people surrender their lives to Jesus Christ, get out of those sins that easily, so easily ensnare people and send people to hell. And homosexuality, I've talked to them. Homosexuals would not go to a church that spoke against the sins that send men to hell all the time. So it's not that a homosexual couldn't become a member of Gospel Saving Church, but a homosexual that wasn't looking at repenting, a homosexual that was willfully desiring to continue his life homosexuality, an adulterer that's willfully trying to finish his life out in adultery and he doesn't want to repent, they will not become members of a church that speaks the true word of God. Either way, Hillsong Church apostasy has crept into this church, people. It has, and you can't deny it. It's the truth, and the scripture says it. It's not me. Read the scripture. God did not let people that were lost and dying in their sins to serve in his church. This church either needs to repent, so turn from this wicked antichrist practice, or not be considered a Christian church anymore by anyone. And anyone that is a true Christian, if the church won't repent, and so they won't change their ways, you should not go there anymore, because when you go there, you support them. You support them in your membership, you support them most likely in your finances, and and you support them morally. Because if you support them, and they're practicing ways that are against Christ and his word, you're enabling them to continue the apostasy that they are in. And that's just one sin that I brought out of theirs. I don't even know. That, that is, that hands down, that's enough. 
That's enough to be, you, you, you should not be considered a Christian church anymore if you allow this kind of apostate practice to happen in your church. You should either A, be closed down, or B, change your name. Don't call yourself Christian anymore because the word Christian means that you're following Jesus Christ or Jesus Christ's word or and Jesus Christ's word. And if here they're not obviously following Jesus Christ's word and people have told them of their sin, but they explain it away and they don't, of course, explain it away by the word of God. They explain it away by all love. They have this pseudo, pseudo love that everybody talks about nowadays. It's this all love and all love and, and, and this love that they speak about is not biblical love. Biblical love, when Jesus biblically loves somebody, he told them of the, the truth of where they were in their lives and in their relationships with him, and that wasn't always a great conversation. And that either A, drove them away from him, or B, brought them to repentance so that they could have a relationship with him. We don't love people by letting them continue in their sin and just accepting it, and then the church accepting it, which makes the church fall into sin in God's eyes. And yet, because this church does, and they don't repent, uh, people with itchy ears have gone there because this is what they want. This is what the world wants. They want to be. They want to feel okay in God's eyes, even though they're not. And they want the church to justify it and say, yeah, the church says it's okay, so hey, I'm, I'm okay. And so as a result, the church continues to grow, this Hillsong Church, along with the apostasy of the church as a whole over the whole world, where everyone does what is right in their own eyes, compromise. Same as the book of Judges. Same with how the Jews did to Jehovah back in ancient history. Christians, it, this is serious. This is not a joke. It's super serious. Next info that God Almighty brought along my way that shows us apostasy is growing in the church as a whole. This one's not quite as dramatic as the sin of the Hillsong Church, but it is one of the things that God used to spur along this message. And, and it still goes against God's judge or the king, the Bible. And so it means that those in this next church are operating, some people there anyway, are operating and everyone is doing what's right in their own eyes. So a brother of mine in the Lord who goes to this church, which I'm not going to tell him what to do, but a brother of mine that goes to this church told me one time, well, within the last couple weeks, that there's a deacon in this church that is allowed to be a deacon, even though, again, this is, this is kind of a hot sermon here. This is kind of a hot, another hot topic here. Even though his wife behaves extremely rudely toward those in the church, along with she's always late to church, as well as she doesn't worship the Lord during worship time, and the worst of probably all of them, she refuses to take communion. And again, this fella is still allowed to be a deacon. What's wrong with this that I consider it, that the Bible considers it apostasy as well as an example of especially the leadership doing what is right in their own eyes? Well, my friend's church, especially the leadership, and this would be the congregation, we'll talk about that at the end of the sermon, uh, they're not obeying God's judge, his word, is how the judge said a deacon should live. Paul to Timothy 1 Timothy 3, 8 through 13, under the title of the New Testament book, of this section of scripture, Qualifications for Deacons. That means 
These are things that Paul's going to give Timothy that God expects deacons or leaders in his church that they have this down. These ways of life down. 1 Timothy 3, 8 through 13. Likewise, because he just got done explaining another part, likewise, deacons must be reverent. That means that their lives, hey, their lives should be pretty holy. They shouldn't be caught up in all the little sins like a baby Christian should be. Not double-tongued, you know, so they should be speaking love to people and, and, and not, not behind people's backs and so on and so forth. Not giving them much wine, which means they shouldn't be alcoholics or should they drinking wine just as an occasional thing, not to get drunk. Not greedy for money, so, so their lives shouldn't be spent hoarding after, oh, I want all the money I can get. Holding the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience, meaning that their faith should be deep and pure and strong. Not wavy, not shaky. This man should be a strong man of God. Verse 10, but let these also be first tested. Then let them serve as deacons being found blameless. Likewise, verse 11, here we go. Likewise, their wives must be reverent. So holy, lovers of God. Again, mature women of the faith that are living their lives with holiness, not slanders, temperate, faithful in all things. Let deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children in their own households well. For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a good standing and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. Now, we're late to church. We don't take communion. We're rude to the other church members, and so on and so forth. Does that sound like reverence? Does that sound like holy things? Does that sound like temperate? Does that sound like faithful? In all things. Christians, no. That's not. Uh, this, this man should not be allowed to be a deacon in this church because his wife's ways of life in the church should disqualify him from the position. Am I, am I saying there that this man and his wife should not be allowed to go to this or any church or, or even become members? No. God's word, his word doesn't say that. It says that he shouldn't be a deacon because his wife's ways should disqualify him. This man and his woman could come and, and, and once she matured and became a, a stronger woman for God and a more holy woman, and like the Bible, God's judge says, then of course this man can be considered a deacon. But is this man, should he be a deacon right now? The Bible says no, in this regard, this church does not follow God's word, his judge. And in this regard, they're doing what's right in their own eyes. And they're not doing what's right in God's eyes or in God's word. Again, ladies and gentlemen, the word Christian means follower of Christ. And we'll add, I'll add because the Bible does, follower of his word. This church has allowed a little apostasy in its doors. And it's not like it's an apostasy issue where it's an obscure idea of God's word. It kind of scares me here. I don't know what else they do. I don't go there. But it's a pretty obvious apostasy matter of 1 Timothy chapter 3, uh, which it makes plain and clear, very clearly. And the pastor and the elders, they should see this. Everybody sees it. My friend, my brother and Lord has brought it to the pastor's attention. And the pastor brushes it off like it's not a big deal. Hey, but he's told, hey, this deacon, this wife, and she, she does this, this, and this, and this. And the pastor doesn't do anything about it. And it's plain Jane, 1 Timothy chapter 3. If he's the pastor, which is an elder, 
which is the form, which is a form of an elder. He should be bringing this to the elders. They should be sitting down and going, well, this man, you know what? He needs to step down and we need to elect somebody else that their wife and their family is in order and their kids are, you know, they're well-behaved and their wife is a godly woman. Another man in the church that's also a godly man and reverend and not double-tongued and not given away, you know, the whole everything. But that's the problem. They don't. And that's the problem with the church as a whole. And this, this goes for so many churches that I've, I've heard about, that, that, we, that we've gone to in the past before God started laying on my heart, Ed, I want somebody, I want, your, I want Gospel Saving Church to be, if my word says it, you do it. I don't want compromise in this church. This is one of the reasons why Gospel Saving Church exists. We don't compromise. Whenever God's word says, we do it. Now, people come here to visit that they don't stay, and that's why. Because I don't compromise. I love you, and I'll tell you the truth, and we do things God's ways, not man's ways. And this is the problem. This is why the title, apostasy. Everyone does what's right in their own eyes because this is what God's church has come down to. This is what the majority, I should say, I hate to say all, I'm not going to say all, because there are some good, biblically strong, Bible-believing churches that obey and teach and do God's Word. And Christians, it's, it's time for the church to repent. It's time for the church of God to start doing what's right in God's eyes, not doing what's right in their own eyes, which is apostasy. Why? 1 Peter 4, 17, For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Judgment is coming on the American church and on the churches of this world that do not obey God's word. And you don't have to listen to me. I'm a dinky spot on the bottom of nothing. But you have to reckon with God's word if you're listening to this message. And if you go to a church like one of these that I've mentioned, you have to reckon these things in God's word. And if you're going to allow that compromise to be part of your life as well too. Third example, keeping on moving forward. This could be probably a three-hour sermon, but I'm just kind of snipping it down. City Point Church, Australia. They also have branches in America and other parts of the world. What's wrong with this church? Apostasy. Everybody's doing what's right in their own eyes. As I looked on, information God brought me. This is one of those ones in the last couple weeks. The guy's wife, the leader of the church, the pastor of the church, she's also a pastor. Along with, they allow women that uh, allow, they allow women to teach and have authority over men, along with who knows what other apostasy that they commit. I didn't investigate any more than these plain and naked Bible I apostate ways. What's wrong with having women teachers of and over men along with a woman pastor? I'm sure many of these women are like mini pastors over men. God's word, the judge, the king of our ways, God's judge of our ways. He told us how to live. First Timothy chapter two, eight through 15, Paul says to Timothy, I, there, I desire therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting, and in like manner also, that the women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with, uh, with propriety and moderation, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly clothing. That means a, the woman in church should be a modestly looking woman. She shouldn't be dressed like a harlot or a prostitute. Pretty simple, but I've been to churches where I've seen women otherwise. Verse 10, but which is proper for women, professing godliness which, with good works. Verse 11, 
Let a woman learn in silence with all submission. And I do not permit a woman to teach or have authority over a man, but to be in silence. How much more plainer can you get? Verse 13. For Adam was formed first, because he even gives us why, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. 15. Nevertheless, she will be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith, love, and holiness with self-control. Paul didn't just say it because he was against women. Because he was a womanizer, because he was any way toward women, he loved women, he loved men. He said it because God says in his word, the man should be the leader. The Bible says that the man should be the leader of the household. The Bible says the man should be the leader of the church. City Point Church blatantly disobeys God's word, his judge, blatantly. This is a mega church, and they have many locations all being megachurches. And just judging them on this one apostasy aspect here, it's no wonder why they are. Basically, they have women teachers, women pastors. That's what the world wants. The world wants women to be in charge. That's what the devil wants. The devil wants anything that's against God's word. And God's word says the man is the one that I put in charge because I made Adam first. And the man is the one that's supposed to be the leader of the church. Satan says, no, 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 no. I know that, you know, God says that men are supposed to be for women and women are supposed to be for men. No, 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 men for men, women for women. Anything against God's word, Satan's in it. Here we have women church, women pastors, women speakers over men. It's not from God. It's from the devil. Now, come on, people. Why do we call a church a Christian church when they don't even follow the most basic words of God to his church? God's word. It's relevant to all the world. It's relevant to all generations. And it's never outdated because God sees from the end to the beginning or beginning to the end, however you want to look at it. He sees end to the beginning, he sees all. Right, and he, he when he spoke his words, he didn't go. Oh, I'm going to speak this word, you know, for for 250 BC. But oh, you know, it's not going to be relevant in 2018. Oh, I, I'm going to have to rectify it. I'm going to have to change it in 2018 because you know what, the society's going to change, and and you know, I, I got to change too. And God's word doesn't change. God doesn't change. God is the same yesterday today and forever yet people these people city point church preach jesus christ yet deny his very word doing what's right in their own eyes compromising the word of god and so going against his judge uh, his words christ's words yet both they and the people in the world still consider them a christian church then that means that if you call them a Christian church, that they follow Christ. But yet they don't. They've fallen into terrible apostasy, and they don't follow the word of God. Come on, people. Come on, people. We can't keep allowing this garbage in our churches. The, one of the last, one of the, I have a couple more. Uh, we have the health and wealth churches, one that God put on my heart in addition to the information that he brought me in the last two weeks. What they believe, oh, they believe that all Christians are supposed to have lots of money and 
and never get sick. And, and they'll even say if Christians get sick, then, oh, they've got to have some sin in their life because, you know, they're sick. And, oh, if Christians just, you know, they don't have enough money or they're not wealthy, well, you know, they're not really right in God's eyes either because, you know, God's word says Abraham was, was a mighty man of God and he was wealthy. Well, I hate to tell you, folks, but this is an apostate belief as well, too. And how do we know that? Well, if you're going to talk about the Christian church, that's a New Testament thing. There was no such thing as a Christian church back in Abraham's day. And even if you want to look back to Abraham's day, every single child of God back in Abraham's day wasn't as wealthy as Abraham. Okay, he weren't as wealthy as Abraham. Abraham and a few of his descendants were, were kind of exceptions to the rule. But that so that doesn't even fit that. But if you want to go to the New Testament and 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 have apples to apples, not apples to onions, right? That's like comparing the Old Testament to the New Testament. Old Testament ways, New Testament ways, like 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 onions to apples, right? New Testament to New Testament. If you want to say all believers are supposed to be wealthy, all believers are supposed to be uh, healthy, and there, nobody's ever supposed to get sick, then you show it to me in the New Testament church. You show me. Just find my email. My phone number's on the website. My phone number's on uh, SoundCloud. You, my email's on there. Show it to me. Get, I, I challenge you. Just give me one example of a New Testament believer that was wealthy. Just, just show me Matthew, just show me Matthew or Mark or Luke or John or Peter or James or Apollos or Barnabas or Paul. Show me one of them that was wealthy and show me one of them that never got ill. And, and, I'll, and I'll tell you here, you won't find it. Paul himself speaks about all the infirmities that he had while he was following Christ. And you want to talk about money? Paul worked as a tent maker as he preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. Could you see Kenneth Copeland or could you see uh, Joel Osteen making tents as they're preaching the gospel? Are you kidding me? Heavens no. Heavens no. This is the health and wealth crowd, and they're not New Testament biblical. Apostasy. Everyone is doing what's right in their own eyes. And you want to know what's the saddest thing about this whole health and wealth movement is most people in the health and wealth churches are poor. And yet they're told by their pastors and their leaders, oh, oh, if you're a true believer, you should have lots of... And if you give and if you bless God's church, then God will bless you with finances and money. So these, these poor people are, are hoping that this blessing of God will fall upon them. And yet so they give and they give and they give even to, to neglect their families and their own households. And yet, because that's not what God's word says, they don't get the blessing of lots of money. And so they get poorer and poorer and poorer. And yet the pastors and the leaders, they all get wealthier and wealthier and wealthier. Apostasy. Everyone does what's right and teaches what's right in their own eyes. Another one that God reminded me of while preparing this message, along with you know, the ones that he had given me in the last two weeks, a few of the larger denominations are allowing homosexuals and lesbians to lead the church as priests and as pastors. Now again, remember, Acts 6, 
Who did the disciples, the apostles, say that were, God wanted to lead the church? People that were born again. People of good reputation without with pretty sinless holy lifestyles. And born again people that were wise in God's ways and in Christ's teachings. Yet, the Bible condemns the practice, again, of homosexuality along with many other sinful ways of life, as I said in 1 Corinthians 6. And again, those who practice such sinful ways of life shall not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Yet, many of the larger denominational churches have homosexuals and lesbians leading their churches as priests and as pastors. This is a total case of apostasy and what them doing what's right in their own eyes. The church is letting someone who's headed to hell lead the church. Here we're not just talking about people serving in the church or being on, on, in, a, in, a, in the membership of a church. Here we're talking about those that are on their way to hell actually leading the church. Apostasy. They are doing what is right in their own eyes. So sad. Finally, my last example of our modern day apostasy. Everyone doing what's white in their own eyes. One again that God didn't give me the last two weeks, but that he brought along as I was teaching this message. One of the worst ones yet. I saved the worst one for last. By the way, hyper grace, hyper Calvinism. The idea and heart condition of it doesn't matter how much I sin or what, what ways I sin. The Bible says God loves me. I don't doubt it at all that this way, this, this whole idea, this whole apostate teaching is like the catalyst for all of the other ways that we looked at so far. Again, I told you about this pseudo-love that the church has nowadays. Well, we just love and just accept everybody the way they are, and everybody's just okay. That's not what the Bible says. That's not what God's judge says. In this terrible apostate teaching, again, probably the heart of, of all the other ones that we've already mentioned so far, in this horrible apostate teaching and doctrine, the, the teachers usually teach uh, what what's called, number one, easy believism. <laughs> that means, oh, just pray this prayer and, and have this belief of Jesus in your mind and you know everything is just going to be okay. You're going to be saved. And, and along with this lie, they teach people that once they're saved, they're always saved. And, and so if I'm always saved now that I'm saved, what, what's that then? Well, it doesn't matter what I do. Oh, it doesn't matter how many times I cheat on my wife, or it doesn't matter how many times I, you know, I, 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 I rape a woman, or I, you know, I, I go out and I steal from my job. It doesn't matter. Hey, it doesn't matter that I do 120 miles an hour down the highway. Hey, you know, I'm saved. I'm a child of God, so therefore, I can do whatever I want. Yet, apostasy. You will not find these teachings in the Scripture anywhere. Uh, believing in Jesus Christ for salvation is taught scripturally, but it's never expressed in the Bible as just some head belief. Oh, wow, look at how beautiful the moon is tonight. Oh, you have a belief in the moon. Oh, does that mean that you're saved with the moon? No, it just means that you have a belief in the moon. Oh, wow, Jesus Christ, he sure is a great God. Does that mean that you, because you acknowledge that, that you're saved? No, you're just acknowledging a good characteristic of the Savior. Does that mean that your life is surrendered into his hands? No. 
So head belief is not what the Bible teaches as far as salvation. Salvation belief, salvation, Paul spoke about it in Romans, it's a heart belief. It's a life-changing heart belief. Not just a belief of your mind, a belief that once you believe it, it'll change your whole life. A a sold-out, submission, surrender belief. This is the heart belief that the Bible talks about. As far as is how a truly born-again, saved person is to live as far as sin is involved after they're saved, you will never once find one place in God's Word, His judge, that He doesn't care about how much sin or what kind of sin that His child lives in uh, as the apostate church teaches. You will, on the other hand, find in God's Word His judge saying these kinds of, pe- of things to people that are saved. Listen to these things that God says in his word that he inspired his holy apostles, the ones that wrote the Bible, to say. 1 Peter 1.16 But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Now, if that's, that's a command. Now, now, it is true that once somebody is saved that they do become holy in Christ. But this verse here is speaking about... Peter is writing here, you also be holy in your conduct. He is saying that God expects a holy lifestyle from you, Christian, after you're saved. Hence the very famous saying, be holy for I am holy. The end of that verse. God expects a holy type of lifestyle. Holiness and sin are like oil and water. They don't mix. 1 John 2, 3-6. Now by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. His commandments? We gotta do something? Oh, wow. Christianity is not about religion. Bull crap. You see those shirts? I've been guilty of wearing them in the past. Bull crap. Christianity is a religion. The religion is not how you have a relationship with God to start your relationship with God. It's not how you're supposed to love God, but it is what God expects from you once you are saved. Now, by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. If we do these things that he said he wanted us to do, that's called religion, folks. Verse 4, he who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. And you're like, well, okay, I see. Keep doing what he says. But what about sin, Pastor? You said he expects us to kind of be sinless. Verse 5, but whoever keeps his word, truly the, the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him, listen, ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Did Jesus Christ walk or live? You could say walk or live. Did he walk or live in any kind of sin? Oh, no, wait a minute. He is the sinless Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He never sinned once. And and since Jesus Christ never lived or even practiced or even committed any type of sin ever, and Peter and John told us that we should walk and live like he did, this simply and powerfully means that God's true born-again kids should strive, all it equates to, the, 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 the two plus two here equals that we should strive to never sin again, ever. Now that's impossible, you may be saying, and you're right. Never sinning again, that is impossible. But God expects us to have that kind of heart condition of, 
I'm going to follow you, I'm going to do what you say, and I'm going to live a holy life because your word says it, because that's the way you lived. And I'm, you know what, Lord, I'm going to strive today not to sin because that's what God expects. Again, he knows that we're going to fall, but he wants us to strive for perfection. Okay? Now, nowhere in the Bible will you ever read, Oh, my son, you sin, all that's okay. Oh, you know, I, I love you anyway. Oh, you're, you're, you're okay. You're fine. No, to the woman caught in adultery. They brought, oh, Lord, she was committing adultery. Stone her. Oh, you who not commit sin, you know, cast for a stone. Now they all walked away. What did he tell the woman afterwards? What did he tell the woman afterwards? Oh, woman, you're okay. Just, just go back and you know, continue on what you're doing because I love you. No, he doesn't say that. He said, go, sin no more. Go, sin no more. I mean, how much simpler can you get? Not that, not that at all this woman's never going to sin ever again, but Jesus Christ is saying, go, sin no more. Have that kind of attitude in your life. Those that believe that a child of God, servant of Jesus Christ, can sin whatever way they want, and that the sin that we commit doesn't matter to God, is living an apostate life, and they're justifying their sin and their sinful ways of life by the compromise of the Word of God and living in the ways that are not right in God's eyes, but ways that are right in their own eyes. Abstinence from sin is so important for, for, for God and, and a true believer. And his judge, his word, says that he expects us to. And, and this aspect of a true Christian's life is so important to God that his word, the judge, even gives us the penalty of not doing that. God's word even tells us what happens to us if we, are, we come to be saved, and then after we come to be saved, we, you know, oh, you know, it's all right. I'm okay. God loves me anyway, no matter what I do. I can just go and have sex with whatever when I want. Or I can go 120 miles an hour down the highway. Or I, I can watch any movie I want with swear words in it. I know the Bible says we're not supposed to give any appearance of evil and, and don't profane or use foul language out of your mouth. But you know what? God loves me. His grace and so on and so forth. If we have that attitude... And we live that way without repentance. God's word gives a warning to us. Hebrews 10, 26-29. He says this, If we sin willfully, which means that, Oh, whatever. Oh, God loves me. Everything's okay. I can sin any way I want. If we sin willfully, and we practice it, what that means, practice willfully, do it. You know, it's not actions, practice. It's not no stopping. No, no trying to live holy after we have received the knowledge of the truth. That means receiving the knowledge of the truth is being saved. There no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. Well, remember, Jesus was our sacrifice for sins. But a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fire indignation, which will devour the adversaries. Verse 28. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy and testimony to or three witnesses. Verse 29. Of how much more punishment do you suppose will be thought worthy of those who have trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing, and insulted the Spirit of grace. You want to live in any sin that you want? God says that He considers that trampling His Son under your feet. Counting His blood, the blood by which sanctified you to make you holy in God, counted the blood of the covenant by which we were sanctified a common thing. None of that is good. 
And, and the penalty really for committing sin in a willful way, again, this willful way meaning to practice it, and, oh, you set your heart on whatever, hyper grace, sin whatever way you want, it gets yourself cut off from God so that you lose your eternal life. That means that God won't let you into heaven when you die unless you repent and turn to Christ and surrender to a hard belief in Jesus Christ and that, that changing hard belief again, that conversion, and, and you make turning away from sin and following Christ a practice of your life again. Christians, the church, it's time for repentance. And repentance has to come with the church first, not the world. The church can't go out there in the world and say, Oh, world, repent! You need to turn to Jesus Christ. Why? So that they can come to the church, to the majority of churches, and learn that it doesn't matter. They can just believe in Jesus and go all back out to those strip clubs and those bars and do it all over again. But hey, now I believe in Jesus, so I'm going to heaven? Apostasy! apostasy and it must this repentance must come from both the leadership pastors deacons and elders and the congregation and laymen leadership because they have to get tough and realize that jehovah will judge you to a higher standard especially if you don't teach god's pure word as truth james 3 1 my brother and let not many of you become teachers knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment and because the judgment of god starts with the house of god 1 Peter chapter 4. Christians, ladies and gentlemen that are listening to this message, the church is in a world of hurt and it's going to get worse if we don't repent. The repentance that God wants from the church, getting back to following and teaching the greatest judge, Jesus Christ and God's word, the whole canon of the Holy Scripture of Jehovah, the Bible, purely exegetically, that means not the way we want to teach it, the way it says, and contextually. Does the way the whole Bible speaks, not just making up my little things because it benefits me this way or the other. Now, I had said that change also needed to come from the congregation or lay people at church. Why did I say that? Because one of the reasons why the teachers, preachers of the Word of God have compromised and gone the apostate way they have in their teaching is because the congregations or lay people stop receiving the pure word of God because their ears are itchy and they don't want to hear the hard truths of God's word so that they simply just don't support these kind of hard truth churches anymore at all. So as to say this, if a preacher did speak the pure truth of God's word, like us here at Gospel Saving Church, without compromise, then you just won't go to that church. And you'll find another church that'll teach you all the things that you want to hear. Itchy ears. Again, that's exactly how it's been with Gospel Saving Church. I, I don't hold the punches. I teach God's word the way it needs to be taught, the way it is spoken in the Bible. And because of this, People come and people go because they don't want the hard truths of God's Word. It so hurts my heart and it's so sad. 2 Timothy 4, 3-4, it's for the time will come, we're in that time, when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, doing what's right in their own eyes, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. If you are a congregation of one of these churches, I mentioned today, everyone other than the one with the deacon that was married to the unbiblical wife, I mean, that church could do everything else right, and yet that one in that one area slip up, and I wouldn't say, oh, that's a church of the devil. I just would say, 
they're in need of repentance and God's going to judge them for that. But if you're, you're supporting any of these other type of churches that I mentioned today, then you're supporting their evil apostate ways. And you're just as much as in trouble as those leaders and pastors and deacons and elders of these churches because you are in apostasy yourself because you're doing what's right in your own eyes. You got itching ears and you're doing what's right in your own eyes going to these churches that teach false truths and you're not doing what's right in God's eyes and you're listening and following and obeying you and not God's word, the judge, his word. Christians, people, whoever you are, whether you're saved or not, please repent. Repent, repent, repent. From, from the beginning of the moment a person truly comes to know Jesus Christ for salvation, that heart belief, unto the day that a saved person goes to heaven, this is the way God expects people to do it. Matthew 16, 24, 25. It's also the biggest problem with apostasy. The biggest problem with apostasy is you want to live your way. God says live this way. You say, no, I'm going to live my way. And God says, you're out. Right here, Matthew 16, 24, 25, Jesus is as plain as it could be. And Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Now, what part of deny yourself do you think is do what's right in your own eyes? I mean, really, honestly, what part of the very first thing Jesus Christ says, come and follow me, you must deny himself. Deny yourself. That means put yourself on the back burner. Stop doing what's right in your own eyes. Do what's right in my eyes, because he finishes up. Let him deny himself, then let him take up his cross, and then follow me. So stop doing what's right in your eyes. Do what's right in my eyes. Follow me. Verse 25, for whoever desires to save his life, that means save his life here on earth, means be the ruler of their life, means do what's right in their own eyes. He said they're going to lose it. means they're going to lose eternal life. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Whoever does what's right in my eyes and stops doing what's right in their own eyes, well, they're going to gain eternal life. Again, this is the root of apostasy. Apostasy is I want to do what's right in my own eyes, and I, I don't want to do what's right in God's eyes. And hence, this is the very basics of Christianity from start to finish. All those that desire to come after me must deny them cells and follow after Jesus Christ. If you're not doing that, you're in apostasy and you're doing what's right in your own eyes and your ways, the Bible says there's a way that seems right to a man and that way leads to destruction. So if you're in one of these churches, if you're one of these people, then your way is going to lead you to destruction and God's word says it right here. So please repent. God doesn't want this for you. God wants you to come and turn to Him, and turn to Christ, and be born again. Or if you're already born again, He wants you to turn back. And then He wants you to do what's right in His eyes, not your own. Like when you first came to be saved, or if you're going to get saved today. You need to repent. Fall on your face. Turn to Christ and say, God, I'm so sorry. I never realized that doing what's right in my own eyes, is, I mean, I never even realized that. Wow! And if you're realizing that right now, turn! Fall on your face, repent right now, and turn back to Christ or turn to Christ right now. And if you're going to one of these churches, talk to your leadership, tell them these things, show them the Word of God. If they don't repent, leave. Stop supporting them. Stop supporting them. You're just as guilty as they are if you're going to support them. Let's pray. God, please save your church. Save your church. 
bring your church to repentance, God. Please, dear Heavenly Father, God, bring your church to repentance. God in heaven, I don't know if those that are listening to this message are saved or not saved, but Lord God, you do. And Father God, I just pray that if people that are listening to this message aren't denying themselves, which means putting themselves in the back burner, and their lives aren't lived following Jesus Christ, and we're, they're doing what's right in their own eye, in, in your eyes, Lord, and, and, and they've made a decision to stop doing what's right in their own eyes, Lord God, then I pray that you would save them. I pray, dear God, please, that you would turn them to you, turn them to Jesus Christ. Show them how good you are. Show them that their ways are going to lead to destruction, Lord. It's, it's all right here. This message had it all. God in heaven, this message had it all. God, please turn them to you or back to you and bring the church back to Christ. Bring, bring the church out of apostasy and out of doing what's right in their own eyes and bring the church back to doing what's right in your eyes. We love you, God, and we praise you and we thank you. Please, God, wipe the apostasy away. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.